Yes, sir. You already know what time it is. It's the Bronx Bias Podcast, episode 64. I question me, you did some foul shit, you threw a tech at me Cooked it up right there, then gave me the recipe I'm in a Z06, police ain't catching me I'm still ducking this bitch to success with me Cause I'm the dope like the coke in the 70s Big body double, our truck, I got bow with me Hog in the lane and they can't get close to me Big bad, I ain't never ran from a nigga if I didn't cut my legs out right now I ain't never been with the whole talk, snitch talk I always talking about his fault Yeah, I'm a stand-up nigga, got my bands up Nigga, you don't wanna see me pissed off Never tell a lie to a bitch, dog When it come to them, gotta play around Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 64 of the Bronx Bias Podcast. I am your host. My name is Denzel, a.k.a. Harry Potter, a.k.a. DeBron James. And we are back like Jordan wearing the faux five. I want to start by saying thank you to everyone who tunes in, who likes, who subscribes, who shares, and who supports. Thank you to everyone who is active and engaged with me on the social media platforms. I truly, truly, truly appreciate all of the love and all the support I receive from y'all. Special shout out and love to all the essential workers out here. New York City is officially reopened officially reopened so shout out again to all the essential workers out there who've been busting their ass since the start of the shutdown quarantine of covid till now when new york city has finally been able to be reopened big love to the essential workers out there and finally thank you to all the people who are out here continuously using their voices to affect change in a positive way We always, 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 always have to start the shows with the thank yous because the thank yous are very, very, very important. Please do not forget your boy Denzel has official Bronx Bias podcast merchandise available for purchase. You can visit the website bronxbiaspod.myshopify.com, B-R-O-N-X-B-I-A-S-P-O-D.com. M-Y-S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com, BronxBiasPod.MyShopify.com. We got hoodies on there. We got t-shirts. We got tote bags. We got COVID masks and we got stickers and much, much, much more to come. Um, You know, the products are quality material and I'm just a young black man trying to get some money in his pocket and stay out of trouble the right way. You feel me? So if you feel so inclined, if you like the show, you like listening and you want to support me, 
in any way that you can. The merch is a great way to do it, along with just the love and support of listening to the show. If you feel so inclined, I will truly, truly appreciate the love and support of the merch from you guys. And I sincerely appreciate every single person who has gone out and purchased merchandise. I truly, truly, truly appreciate that. And with all of that being said, we are going to have a great, 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 great show today. Fully, fully packed. You know, when I have guests on the show, which I had, which I have had for the last two weeks, you know, I can't really cover all the stories that happen in the world, right? Because it's like, I want to focus my attention to the guest and they've done, you know, they've taken time out of their schedule to come and fuck with me for an hour and a half. I don't want to, you know, cut their interview short or not let them fully express themselves on the shit that they want to talk about. So I could talk about trending topics that's going on. So we're going to have a fully, fully packed show. Um, and I'm in an amazing mood. I'm in a tremendous mood and I am ready to go. So let's get it. I am in a very, very, very good mood. Today's intro was an amazing, amazing, amazing song from an amazing, amazing artist. It is called Me Versus Me by Money Bag Yo. And I don't really have a deep dive on this. The song is fire. That's it. Like, the song is fire. I played it this morning. I was like, oh shit, this is fire. This is going to be perfect for my show for today. And I played it. Like, I don't have a deep dive on Money Bag. I think he's dope. I think he makes great music. Shout out to Tennessee. Um, and <laughs> that's it. Like, you know, I ain't got no deep dive. That song is fire. And Moneybag's killing it. He's killing it. He got a whole bunch of good songs. He does great feature work. I love, love, loved his feature on DMX's album, the most recent one. Again, rest in peace, DMX. And he's just doing good shit. I just want him to keep up the great work. That's it. Like, shout out to Moneybag Yo. Keep up the great work, man. He's killing that shit. And he's putting on, again, for Memphis. You know, Memphis... When you think of Memphis in terms of artists, or Tennessee, I should say, in terms of artists, you think of who? 3-6 Mafia, pretty much, and that's it. But like, I like that there's a new wave of artists coming out of Tennessee. You got Young Dolph, you got Young Ga- Yo Gotti, Moneybag Yo, I think, and I hopefully more to come, because obviously they contribute a lot, and they do really well um, when they get their opportunity. You know, It's kind of like the Griselda effect. Because Griselda's so popular... Coming from Buffalo, New York, where you generally don't hear, you know, great music or or great artists from there. I think because of Griselda, now more people, more dope artists are going to come out of Buffalo. I think the same way with Memphis. Now you had 3-6 Mafia holding it down for a long time. And, of course, you know, 8-Ball, MJG, and guys like that. But now the new wave with Young Dolph, with Yo Gotti, and with Moneybag, hopefully more artists start coming out of Tennessee. And again, shout out to Moneybag. That song is hard. If you want to hear it, download it. I recommend it. It's great for the gym playlist. And again, shout out to my guy, Moneybag. Yeah. Now it is time for my favorite, 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 favorite segment of the podcast. It is called Bronx Facts. For those of you guys who do not know, or maybe it's your first time listening to the show, Bronx Facts is the segment I like to do at the beginning of each show, just to give one fact about the Bronx, New York, that people may not know, that people may have never heard before, just to try and show how many great things, how many great ideas, and how many great people come from the Bronx, New York. 
So, without any further ado, your Bronx fact for today is... On June 13th, 2021, in the Morris Heist section of the Bronx, a special tribute was held for the comic book legend Stan Lee. Stan Lee Way was unveiled at University Avenue between Brant Place and West 176th Street. It is co-named with a part of University Avenue where Lee grew up. That's right. Stan Lee was a Bronxite. He also attended and graduated from the Bronx's DeWitt Clinton High School, not that far away. Lee is best known as the mastermind behind some of the greatest superheroes featured in comic books and movies, including Spider-Man, Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk, Thor, and Captain America. That is right. So when you go out and you see the Avengers Endgame and you see Black Panther and you see Spider-Man, just know it came from the mind of somebody from the Bronx. And that is your Bronx Fact for episode number 64. Damn, son, where'd you find this? All right, so we're getting right to the shits today. The first topic amongst the many that I've missed um, is... I want to talk about the NBA playoffs and beyond the games, like I don't really necessarily even want to spend a lot of time on the games per se. I want to spend a lot of time on something that has to do with the games. Um, Mainly, I want to talk about what the what the fuck has been going on with the fan behavior at these basketball games. Um, So remember, if you guys don't last season, the NBA was in the bubble. The bubble was the isolation zone. Um, that was in the Walt Disney World Resort um, that was created to resume the, sh- the stop season due to COVID. And one of the biggest things that was, uh, you know, one of the biggest missing things, I should say, was the lack of fans. There were no fans there. No fans could come into the bubble. Nobody could leave the bubble. There was no family members allowed. It was just literally the teams, the coaches, the referees, and like officials, like people who ran the facilities and shit like that, hotel staff and things like that. So that was one of the biggest missing things from last season or last playoffs was the fact that there was no fans. So now with the resume NBA playoffs and with widespread vaccinations, NBA arenas have now been opening up to fans. So we had great atmospheres like the Garden, even though the Knicks got bounced in the first round and only won one game. The garden was on fire. Like it was just you realize how much like fans contribute to pro sports. Um, You know, now we have baseball games and fans starting to come in, you know, into the stadiums now. And we have hockey games and all these uh, tennis matches and stuff. And fans are able now to watch like we used to. And that's great. And, you know, that is amazing. The fans contribute to the game regardless of they don't score any baskets but they do contribute to the game i've been to plenty of sporting events it's great it's a great atmosphere but we need to talk about how these fans have been bugging the fuck out it's been blowing my mind so before we even get into you know the fans bugging the fuck out i want to read you something that uh i want to read you a small passage about something that was called the malice in the palace the malice in the palace. So the malice in the palace was a uh 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 event, if you could call it that. But it really was just 
showing you how when fans think that they can do whatever the fuck they want, it's consequences. So it's the backstory is it was a basketball game between the Indiana Pacers and the Detroit Pistons in the year 2004. With the Pacers leading the game 97 to 82 and 45.9 seconds left in the game, Pistons center Ben Wallace was trying to attempt a layup but was fouled from behind. It was a pretty hard foul by former Pacers forward Ron Artest, now known as Metal World Peace. A furious Ben Wallace shoved Ron Artest and a fight broke out on the court between both teams. But after the fight was broken up, a fan in the stands threw a drink at Ron Artest while he was laying on the scorer's table to try and cool himself down. Enraged, Artest immediately charged after the fan, sparking a massive brawl between players and spectators that stretched from the seats down to the court and lasted several minutes. The referees subsequently canceled the game without a remaining time. And after the game, the NBA suspended nine players for a total of 146 games, leading to the players losing approximately $11 million in salary. Five players were charged with assault and eventually served a year of probation and community service. And five fans also faced assault charges and were banned from attending Pistons home games for life. The fight also led to the NBA to increase security between players and fans and limit the sales of alcohol at games. Now, that's important. That's important. I remember the malice at the palace like it was yesterday. 2004, I think I was maybe 11 or 12 years old. And I remember it like I remember it like the, I seen the cup come out of the stands. It landed right on Ron's chest and he immediately it looked like he turned super sane. He immediately got up, jumped over like the, the front row and charged into the stands with both hands out, grabbed the dude by the neck and like tackled him down and started hitting him. Steven Jackson was his teammate at the time, ran into the stands to help him. More alcohol was being thrown. People was wilding out. Um, Steven Jackson hit a fan with one of the cleanest right hands I ever seen right on his fucking chin. It was wild. It was a wild scene. And of course, the NBA reacted in a swift and harsh way to punish the players who who did enter the stands and start fighting fans. But when you think about it on a real level... The only reason that Ron Artest ran into the stands is because someone disrespected him in that way. They threw a cup of alcohol on him as he was laying on the scorer's table. So that is just the reality of the situation. I'm sure the fan at the time did not think that Ron Artest was going to do anything or was not going to be able to reach him in the stands after he threw the cup of alcohol on him. And that's the point. It's like, these dudes who play basketball, these dudes who play football, these dudes who play baseball, who play hockey, who play, you know, any professional sport athlete, a professional athlete is oftentimes two or three times the size of the average human. Ron Artest is six foot seven, six feet, seven inches tall. The average human is five, the average human male is five foot nine inches tall look that's almost a foot difference and these niggas work out 
every fucking day. These niggas have stamina out they ass because they running up and down a basketball court or tackling each other on a football field or running around the bases in the hot August sun. And that's their jobs. You cannot fuck up a professional athlete. I don't know who these people are who think that they can really whoop a professional athlete. Even the smallest guys in the league, and let's say basketball, the smallest guys in the league in basketball could still whoop you. Still. I don't know who these fans are who think that they're untouchable, that they can really fight. But when the rubber hits the road and you see one of these niggas in your face, you cannot think that you're going to have a chance, a puncher's chance to whoop one of them. And that is why the malice in the palace is so important. That was the moment where the league and I and I had hoped players or not players, I should say the league and fans realized that when shit gets real and uh, a six foot seven grown ass man who weighs over 200 pounds charges at you and wants to hurt you, he can really damage you like he can really inflict pain on you. And. I just and, and and I just don't understand what people be thinking about when they think they're gonna go to the basketball games and try and violate these professional athletes. I really don't understand. So let's fast forward now to the 2021 playoffs, right? We have have had a great first two rounds, and it's been compelling content. The games have been great, super competitive, high spirited, high energy games. But of course, there are people who just want to make the shit about themselves. So the first incident with the fans was when the Philadelphia 76ers was playing the Washington Wizards. The Philadelphia 76ers are the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. And in the first round, they played the eight seed Washington Wizards. And I don't remember which game it was. It might have been game four, game five of that series in Philadelphia. But Russell Westbrook, who is a very emotional player he wears his emotions on his sleeve he's very demonstrative very excitable was leaving the game because he had suffered an injury keep that in mind he had suffered an injury he was leaving the court and as he's being escorted off the court by a trainer to go into the medical room and get treatment for his injury a fan took a bucket of popcorn and poured the entire bucket of popcorn on russell westbrook's head as he was leaving the, the, the arena. And Russell Westbrook immediately became enraged and tried to break free from the trainer. And there was five security guards there. He tried to immediately break free from the five security guards and the trainer and run into the stands and attack and confront the fan. The, the biggest thing, I wish you guys would have seen that shit real time. And hopefully you did. So you know what I'm talking about. Russell Westbrook is six foot four, over 200 pounds. If you've ever seen him, he's fucking ripped as fuck. He's built like a fucking tank, bro. It took five security guards and one trainer, six people to hold him back, to restrain him. It took six grown ass men to hold one man back and restrain him. If he is to escape from their grasp and attack this stupid ass fan who wants to dump a bucket of popcorn on him, 
What do you honestly think would happen to the fan? He could fucking rip that dude's arms off like some Mortal Kombat shit. Seriously. He could rip those dudes' arms off his body. Like, that's what I just don't get about it. It's like the entitlement of the fan to think that you can be blatantly disrespectful and just do whatever the fuck you want to do and pour food on a nigga. And, and in Trey Young's case in the garden, and shout out to Trey Young, he kicked the Knicks' ass, and I have so much respect for that, brother. He's kicking the Sixers' ass. They're having a, about to have a game seven. Um, in the second round of the NBA playoffs, he's really showing that he's that nigga on the court. A fan spit on him. Spit. Spit. Spitting on someone I learned early on in my youth from my mama, my grandmama. If you spit on somebody, that is the ultimate form of disrespect. That means you think lower of me than a fucking ant on the ground. If you are going to open up your mouth and spit on me. Like, I just, I was tight. I seen that shit. He shook it off. You know, he didn't press charges. And shout out to him for, for taking the high road. But if Trey Young, and Trey Young is a slight build guy. He's about six foot two, but he's really lightweight. Let's say he's about 180 pounds. But if he was to turn around and see the dude who spat on him and ran in the stands and started a fight, would he be wrong? Would he be wrong? To you dumping popcorn on niggas, you spitting on them. In Kyrie Irving's case, they threw a water bottle at him because he called out the racism that is prevalent in Boston. What like at a certain point, it's like, what do you want these people to do? And I've mentioned it before. I know I have. Just because these guys are rich, they have immense wealth, they can get anything they want in the world, they live in giant houses and have access to so many different things, that does not make them non-human. If if I'm walking up and down the street and someone wants to tries to spit on me and or throw a water bottle at me or try to dump popcorn on me, and I react in an emotional way. Someone can't come up to me and say, well, Denzel, you know, you have a podcast, so you shouldn't even care. Like, that is the stupid shit I see, like, on the internet. Well, these guys make millions of dollars. So what? The guy threw a water bottle at you. Like, what? It's the dumbest shit ever. It's the dumbest shit ever. And these are grown-ass men who are strong as fuck and are th- two times the size of the average nigga. So what is the goal? Like, I hate that people have to learn in that way. I thought the malice at the palace would be the ultimate lesson. Like, you catch the right nigga at the right time, and that could be your ass. You would think. You would think that. That people would have more common sense just to say, you know what? I'm here to enjoy a basketball game. Like, let me not try and fuck with the people who are these super athletes because of what? You think the security, you think security is going to protect you? Seriously, I can't, I low-key wish that Russell Westbrook was able to break free from the security. I really do. I wish. And he was able to run up in the stands to catch that stupid-ass fan and fuck him up. And he got the money. He could pay the fine. He could handle a suspension. 
Just just so niggas could know. Like, this shit ain't a game, bro. The game is not about you, bro. Stupid ass niggas, bro. Stupid. And if they go into the stands and they react like any normal human would, if I get spit on, I'm losing every sense of decency that I have, bro. Every sense of decency and decorum that I have because that is the ultimate form of disrespect. To spit on another person, bro. That's the ultimate form of disrespect, bro. Like, the ultimate form, bro. It's crazy. Kyrie Irving, a lot of people like to to, to demonize him or, or villainize him because he is a strong black man who comes out and expresses himself, talks about injustices that we face, talks about how he wants to be more involved in the social justice side of things, has an advocate for black people, advocate for 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 you know people who suffer under the hands of white supremacy and racism does what the fuck he wants to do speaks his mind and he becomes a pariah for what for speaking his mind for saying that black people should have more respect in society for saying that he shouldn't experience racism when he goes into an arena and play basketball he's wrong for saying that You can find something wrong with that statement. And so you think it's valid for when he's leaving the arena. The game is over. The game is over. You think it's valid to disrespect him and throw a water bottle at him? Like he's he's in a fucking zoo? You think that that's decent. You think it was an instance in Utah with the Memphis Grizzlies playing against the Utah Jazz. John Morant's father, he was a John Morant is an amazing player for the Memphis Grizzlies, young star. He's going to be one of the faces of the league for years to come. His father is sitting in the Utah stands. His I believe his mother and his sister is there. A Utah fan comes up to his father and says, "I'm going to put a nickel in you and make you dance for me, boy." Like <sighs> I I just don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. And they really think they are are emboldened to do these things because they understand that the consequences for the player, for the athlete, will be more than the consequence for the fan. Right? The guy who spit on Trey Young, I still have not seen his face. They know that their faces won't be on the news, that their faces won't be in the newspaper. They know that. The guy who told John Morant's dad he's going to put a nickel in and make him dance, he knows his face is not going to be on the news. Because, But if John Morant jumps into the stands and defends his family, his face is going to be on the front page. He stands to lose more. He could lose his career. You won't lose nothing. You work at the fucking bank. You work at the dentist's office. You work at Target. Nobody gives a fuck about you. So you could do whatever the fuck you want. You, you think that, that that shit is cool? If someone comes and disrespects your mother like that, are you going to be happy about that? And try and then have a large portion of the population try to make excuses of why that's okay? Like, where are these niggas? How are these niggas raised, bro? How are these niggas raised? Alcohol don't make you do nothing but what you wanted to do with... Alcohol doesn't make you do anything... But to give you the guts to do something that you was too scared to do when you were sober. 
So you can't even blame it on drinking. That motherfucker wanted to throw popcorn on Russell Westbrook, but he was too pussy to do it while he was sober, so he needed to get drunk. Those fans think that John Morant and his family are boys, like in the olden uh, segregated South days, they would call you a boy as disrespect. They think that. They're just too pussy to do it sober. That fan who spit on Trey Young, they're going to blame alcohol. He got too drunk. He's too pussy to do it sober. And I just think it's one of the biggest crocs of bullshit ever. And I don't know what the NBA is going to do. I don't know what the NFL is going to do or Major League Baseball or whomever sports where this shit happens. But it's really bullshit. Straight up. And I really want one of these these brolic ass niggas just to run into the stands and whoop them. I remember, I don't remember what year, maybe 2013. Marcus Smart, who currently plays for the Boston Celtics, was in college. He played for the university... He played for Oklahoma State University, OSU. And there was an instance where he fell um, on the out-of-bounds boundary, and there are fans who are seated right there. He gets up after he falls down and runs and pushes down a fan. And, of course, the normal reaction is like, oh, my God, why would he do that? He's a savage, blah, blah, blah. Come to find out, Marcus Smart does an interview, and they say, why did you... Push the fan. Why did you go after the fan? He said, because the fan called me a nigga. Is that decent? And in college, you don't make no money. You're you not paid. You're not rich. You are amateur player. The NCAA has fought tooth and nail to keep athletes in college from being paid. So what? What are you going to say then? <laughs> what are you going to say then? It's not, oh, he makes all this money, so he shouldn't care. He's in college. He's in college. Like there's so, And there are so many more stories of fans mistreating players, fans disrespecting players, calling them all kinds of N-words and all kinds of racial epithets that they're just supposed to deal with because they make money. But in any other scenario, could you imagine... Wherever you live, walking up and down the street, you see Russell Westbrook, you see Kyrie Irving, and you want to spit on them, throw popcorn, or throw a water bottle at them? Could you imagine what will happen to you? You think they're going to look at their wallets and say, oh, you know, I got a lot of money in my wallet. I'm going to leave this alone? Seriously? I just think it's some straight up bullshit. I think that it is super disrespectful. I think that fans, and I'm going to say white fans because ain't no black people doing this shit. I think that white fans are entitled. I think that they think that because it's entertainment that these guys are like animals in the fucking zoo. I think they think that the shit is a circus. And I think that they've lived their lives and never been really punished for anything. So they really believe that they can do whatever the fuck that they want. And I really want to see one of these niggas get fucked up. And I wish I was at the level of wealth and success where I could pay these niggas fines. I'd be like, listen, Russ, the next motherfucker who disrespects you, go beat his ass and I got you off that, you know, $2 million fine or some shit, right? I wish. Because that's the only way these stupid ass niggas gonna learn, bro. It's just stupid, bro. It's just idiotic. You just think about the last year that we had, quarantine. You couldn't go nowhere. 
You couldn't do anything. You couldn't see your friends. You couldn't see your family. You couldn't go to a basketball game. You couldn't go outside. Going to the grocery store was a hassle. Now you get your first piece of freedom back. You get to do some of the fun shit that you used to be able to do. And the first thing you want to do is pour popcorn on niggas and spit on niggas and throw water bottles at niggas and and be racist and, and all that shit. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, bro. Straight up and down. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play you some of these clips from the athletes' responses um, to what's been happening over the over the last few weeks in the playoffs. I'm going to play you Russell Westbrook, his raw reaction to what happened. I'm going to play you Kyrie Irving. I'm going to play you Kevin Durant, um, his response to what's happening. And it's just bullshit to me. Really, I just think it's bullshit. So here are, here are some of the player reactions um, from what has been happening over the last few weeks with the fans in the NBA. Uh, that incident with the fans? I don't know, bro. Uh, unfortunately, you know, I was leaving out and then I just seen so popcorn on top of my head, you know. Um, and to be blatantly honest, man, this shit is getting out of hand, uh, especially for me. Um, just the amount of disrespect, the amount of just fans just doing whatever the fuck they want to do. It's just, it's out of pocket, man. It's out of pocket, seriously. Like, in the other setting, uh, you know, I'm, I'm all for the fans enjoying the game and having fun and, you know, it's part of sports. I get it. Uh, but there's certain things that cross the line. Uh, and any other setting, I know for a fact that fans and they wouldn't come up and a guy wouldn't come on the street and pour popcorn on my head because he know what happened. A guy wouldn't come up to me and talk a mess about my kids and my family on the street because the response would be different. In these arenas, you got to start protecting the players, man. It, uh, you know, we'll see what the NBA does, but uh, you know, there, there's a huge consequence for us as players, and especially for me. I've been in a lot of incidents where fans and they say whatever, um, and the consequences for me are a lot more detrimental uh, than to, to those people in the in the stands because they feel like they they're untouchable. Um, they can say what they want. They're, they're at a sporting event where they should enjoy the game. Um, but a lot of times fans don't realize this is our job. This is my job. This is not uh, some play. This is what I, something I love to do. This is something I love competing at. So to get food thrown on top of me, um, it's just bullshit, really. Um, and if I, you know, unfortunately, you know, I couldn't get to the stands, but I just don't, I just don't take that lightly, man. I don't, I, you know, it's, to me, it happens to me a lot of times, and. Um, you know, obviously I've, I've learned to kind of look the other way, but after a certain extent, you can't just keep looking the other way. Uh, there has to be some uh, penalties or something to put in place where fans can't just come to the games and do and say as they please because they wouldn't do that shit anywhere else, any other setting. And I'm sick and tired of it, honestly. That's very important what he said. If it was any other setting. No fan would come up to him and try and throw popcorn on his head because they know what will happen to them. But you think because you're in an arena, right, and they're on their jobs that you could just do whatever the fuck that you want to do. It's, and it's bullshit. It's straight up bullshit. 
So that's Russell. Next, I'm going to play you Kyrie. So what started this whole thing with Kyrie was he was sitting in, in, in doing an interview after the Nets had uh, were getting ready to play Boston. And they asked him, he said, you know, how do you feel about returning to Boston? He's like, I've played in Boston before. I've played for Boston before. Um, I just want things to be strictly basketball. You know, I don't want to deal with any racism that, you know, that occurs in Boston. And Boston has had numerous occasions of racist acts um, to professional athletes, black athletes in the games. There was um, an incident in Fenway Park, which is where the Boston Red Sox play, where there was fans calling Adam Jones, who was a baseball player for the Baltimore Orioles, a nigger. They threw they tried to throw bananas at him. There was an incident in uh, where fans started fighting each other because of racist, you know, under race, racially motivated things. Boston is a hotbed for racism when it comes to the city. I mean, I've been to Boston before. I, luckily, I didn't experience any of that racism, but it's a real thing. And to act like it's not is just, you know, looking the other way because you want to look the other way. There's no other way to play it. So Kyrie says, you know, I just want to focus on basketball. I don't want to deal with any of the racism that happens in Boston. Just telling the truth. Speaking his truth. Right? What happens? He's leaving the court. He's leaving the court. And a fan throws a water bottle at him. So here is Kyrie before the water bottle and after. I know when you were in Boston, you always had such good things to say about the crowds there and the feeling of playing at the Garden. What do you expect now that there's going to actually be people there in the building as opposed to last time? Uh, I mean, it's not my first time being an opponent in, in Boston. Uh, so, you know, I'm just looking forward to competing with my teammates. And, um, you know, hopefully we can just keep it strictly basketball. You know, there's no belligerence or any racism going on, subtle racism and people yelling shit from the crowd. Um, but even if it is, it's, it's part of the nature of the game, and we're just going to focus on what we can control. Is it something you've experienced in Boston before? I'm not the only one that could attest to this, but it's just, you know, it, it won't. It, <laughs> it is what it is. Oh, well, well, Ryan well, <laughs> uh, Water bottle was unfortunately thrown at you what did you feel in the crowd these two nights did you feel that racism or subtle racism that you had warned about or had they pretty much kept it strictly about basketball until that incident as you were walking off well like i said I, i've been in some hostile environments where a lot of things have been said to me a lot of things have been done to my teammates or i've, I've experienced uh some type of uh, subtle racism that i'm referring to you know where it's just underlying throughout the game you know the things that they're saying it's not necessarily about talent or gifts it's just more or less about moms or what you look like or they're calling you out of your name and like i said you know i joined this uh this sport because i loved it uh, and inevitably you know you're going to have opposing fans do things that are going to help their team win you know they love being involved um, i don't want to take away that nature it's just when you get when you feel disrespected as a person man or woman and someone calls you out your name or does something like that it doesn't make you feel good and then when you react and we had times in history where people have reacting and gone in the crowd then we're wrong and we need to we need to be civilized and, and we need to keep our calm and we need to keep our cool and then it's reflected on us so um you know like i said just want to keep it 
uh, upfront and truthful. And it's just you know unacceptable for that stuff to be happening. But we move on. So. Harry, kind of piggybacking off Malika's question, uh, James just said before uh, you joined us that he doesn't think that banning fans does anything with this stuff because it continues to happen, and, and he, he'd like to see the process change with all this. I'm, I'm curious if, if you have a thought on that. Yeah, I think each one of us have our own uh, individual experiences, but as a, you know, as a black man playing in the NBA, you know, dealing with a lot of this, uh, this stuff is... It's fairly difficult, uh, you know, because you never know when it can happen uh, or what's going to happen at the end of the game or before the game. Uh, so banning fans, I get the objective, uh, but at the same time, it doesn't stop people from running on the court. I've had a situation in Cleveland where people have run on the court, uh, you know, I've had situations so, all, so often uh, throughout my career where, you know, we don't really talk about it because we want to be mentally tough. We want to be tough-minded. We don't want to be called soft or, or, you know, we're not man enough to deal with booze and you know fans never block my shot so i'm not worried about that type of physical uh you know type of violence it's just you know when, when they start doing things that are just out of character you know just getting belligerently drunk and um you know that's just what sports is you mix drunk people out in the crowd that are cheering for the their team you know you have some fans that are there to watch the the quality of the game and then you have a mix of in between and then you've you got this intermixing and then now we don't know who's who. Um, but like I said, I just want to move on from this, man. You know, I, I've, I've dealt with it as a player here as a Celtic um, of different things and now being an opponent again, uh, you know, I just want to move on. So, Man, I love that brother Kyrie, man. Shout out to Kyrie. I love him, man. I swear. I love him. The way, Just the way that he carries his, you know, carries on with his business. He don't, you know, he don't give a fuck about what media want him to be or what they think he should be. He's not a guy who's going to just shut up and dribble. He gonna talk about shit that he care about. He gonna, you know, let you know how he feel. And unfortunately, people don't like that. You know, people think that because you make all this money in the NBA and you have a shoe deal and you at this level of success, that you have to be, you know, a, a quote unquote company man, and that you're never gonna speak your mind and you're never gonna call out things that you experience. And he's not that guy. He is not that guy. Like straight up, he's not that guy. If he sees some shit and he don't like it, he gonna say it. If he experiences something that's that is out of character, racist, he's gonna talk about it. And he is not a dummy. That is a brilliant brother right there. He is no dummy. You know, he's not, the dumb jock is pretty much over. This new generation of athlete is not a dumb. You know, the stereotypical dumb jock. These motherfuckers are smart as hell. And that's probably why, like, you know, there's a hard time adjusting to the new athlete because it used to just be, all right, this guy's pretty dumb, but he can play ball. Now it's like, okay, these athletes are hella rich, hella talented, and smart as fuck. So now it's like, oh, shit. You know, I think that is an underlying thing that leads to all these racist events. You know, in my opinion, I don't think that the world wants to see black people be, you know, beyond what the box that they're in. If you're a rapper, you shouldn't be talking about political shit. If you're an athlete, you should keep it strictly to your sport. But now that the, the gap is being bridged and so many black people are using their uh, gifts athletically and parlaying that into being activists and being beacons of the community and speaking about outright on injustices and knowing that they have huge platforms and it's bigger than just selling the hottest shoe and it's actually talking about real shit. 
there's a level of com- uncomfort with that because that's challenging the status quo. And that's my opinion. That's my opinion. I think the, the scariest shit is smart, educated black people with money because then they don't need, you know, they don't need. Uh, uh, back in the day, you're not going to, uh, athletes are not going to talk about politics because they could potentially lose their contracts or lose their endorsements. But now it's like, Nike don't give a fuck if Kyrie talks about racism because it's the truth. And he's still going to make his shoes. He's still going to make his bread. He's still going to get his endorsements and he's still going to get his NBA salary. So now it's like, oh shit. You know, now they have huge platforms where the average NBA player has, what, let's say, over 500,000 followers on the gram, has over a million followers on Twitter. And if they talking about some shit, more people are going to get an opportunity to see it. So if Kyrie comes out and says, hey, you know, this place is racist, there's a chance that a whole bunch of people will be like, oh, shit, this place is racist. And then that challenges the way that shit used to be. And that's my opinion. But um, beyond that, man, I just think that is real bullshit. I just think it's bullshit. And I think that it's very disrespectful. And I think that it don't matter where you are in life and where you work, that people can't just come and disrespect you. You know, I'm raised, I've been raised to give every man and woman respect. And the only way that you don't get respect from me is if you're disrespectful. So if it don't matter where I'm at, if I'm at the game, if I'm at the grocery store, if I'm at a job, if I'm at, you know, if I'm riding the train, someone comes up and tries to disrespect me, you got to deal with it. You got to deal with it in the best way that you see fit. And there's no way that you can tell me, the average man and woman, that someone could come up and spit on you and it's okay. Regardless of how much money you have in your bank account. Regardless of how many followers you have on Twitter. Someone comes up to you and spits on you. You're going to handle that. You're going to fucking handle that. That's a fact. You're going to handle that in the best way you see fit. Because that is one of the most ultimate forms of disrespect. Ultimate, 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 ultimate. And so to tie a bow on this, here's the God Kevin Durant on what should happen with these fans in the NBA in these arenas. Michael Grady, Yes Network. Kev, it's unfortunate that this season even has to be asked, but um, someone tried to toss a water bottle at at Kyrie, or did toss a water bottle at Kyrie um, as you guys were walking off the floor. Just your your thoughts on just, again, um, uh, an unfortunate act, and the fan was arrested, but just what can be done about, you know, again, protecting protecting players in situations like this? I mean, fans got to grow up at some point. I know that being in the house for a year and a half with the pandemic, Got a lot of people on edge. Got a lot of people uh, stressed out. Um, but when you come to these games, you gotta realize, man, these 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 men are human. You know, we not animals. We not in a circus. Uh, you coming to the game is not all about you as a fan. So have some respect for the game. Have some respect for these human beings, and have some respect for yourself. Your mother wouldn't be uh, proud of you throwing water bottles at, at basketball players or spitting on players or tossing popcorn. So grow the fuck up uh, and and enjoy the game. You know, it's bigger than it's bigger than you. Big facts. Big, 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 big facts. Grow the fuck up, bro. Grow the fuck up. Grown-ass niggas with jobs, 401ks, and pensions acting like kids, acting like petulant children. And it's just, it's bullshit. So that's all I got on it, man. The playoffs have been great. The Knicks are out of it. And of course, you know, and my and my guy LeBron is out. So, you know, whatever. Whoever wins, I don't give a fuck, but 
<laughs> you know, it's just, you got to be better. You just got to be better. And that's all I got. That's all I got on it. And so moving right along, you guys can follow me and hit me up on Instagram and Twitter at Rogers Neighborhood. Instagram is R-O-D-G-E-R-S-N-E-I-G-H-B-O-R-H-O-O-D. Twitter is Rogers Neighborhood, R-O-D-G-E-R-S-N-G-H-B-R-H-D. There are no vowels in neighborhood on Twitter. And I'm saying this and repeating it for the one millionth time because I ask you guys weekly to send in comments, questions, concerns, feedback, constructive criticism, whatever you have for me. And you guys do not let me down. Uh, and I appreciate all the love and all the support I receive from you guys every each and every week. So I want to answer some of the questions that I have received here. The first one says... Do you have a favorite episode that you have done so far? And if so, which one? Hmm. Now, that's a hard question. That's a hard question to answer. Because it's kind of like each episode is like my baby, you know? So if you do the math, I had 64 episodes. So it's like I have 64 babies, you know? Um, And I don't really, yeah, I... It's hard for me to say which one is my favorite and which one is my least favorite. Um, yeah, I really can't answer that. It's, it's like if you had kids trying to say, well, which one is your favorite kid? You know, <laughs> if you got some dogs in the house, which dog is your favorite dog? You love them equally. Um, yeah, I, I, I really can't answer that. Um, I don't really have a favorite. If gun to my head and I had to pick one, I would say episode one. Because that was the first ever podcast that I've ever done. Like, my introduction to the pod world. My introduction to to this space. You know, bringing the Bronx Bias podcast just from out of my brain as an idea to a reality. If I really had to just think about it. Um, yeah, it would have to be the first one. And it's the worst one. <laughs> That's the funniest part. The, the first episode is the worst episode I've done because it's the first one, you know, it's just, I have no real experience in anything. I'm just trying, you know, I listened to it. Actually, I listened to it a few, few weeks ago and I was like, damn, this is terrible. This is absolutely terrible, but it's just my introduction. It's like, you know, it's just the first time where the Bronx Bias podcast didn't just was, it wasn't just an idea. It became a reality. So I have to say it's the first one. The first episode is, is definitely it is just sentimentally, emotionally, and all the work it took to get to that point just to make one episode. Is it has to be my favorite one because of of everything that it took just to get to that point to make one. So that'll be my answer. My favorite episode so far of the ones I've done um, is the very first episode of the podcast. The next question I have for you says. What is the dumbest thing that us as a people have made normal? Wow. Well, that's a lot of shit. <laughs> that's a lot of shit. It could be going on Twitter and saying some stupid shit, um, being a fucking bigot, being a racist, being ignorant, being belligerent, you know, not listening to people, not being respectful. There's so much shit that we do that's stupid um, and dumb and that's been normalized, you know, um, but you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna person, I'm gonna make this a personal thing for me. 
One of the biggest things that really blows my, gets on my fucking nerves, especially in this technology world, you know, where technology is king, it's the number one industry in the world, is people who claim that they are bad texters. Like, whether it's if you're trying to get business done, if you're, you know, if you're in the dating game, if you're, you know, just in any arena where you have to communicate with people, and the phone, the, the point of the phone and having text capabilities and social media communication is to make it easier. People just be like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm a bad texter. Like, do you think we're you think I'm dumb, bro? Like everyone's phone is in their hand every day, every single day, every minute of the day. Your phone is in your hand, whether it's on silent mode or whether it's on ring mode. It's in your hand or in your pocket. So if I send a text out, you know, I'm trying to do some business with somebody and they don't respond to me for like three days and then they'd be like, oh, my bad. I'm a bad texter. That's bullshit. Straight up bullshit. OK, just say you didn't want to fucking respond. I'm a bad texter. What type of shit is that? That's not like you don't have the motor skills or the cognitive ability to text. It's not like, oh, I'm a bad driver. Some people really struggle with driving. You know, I'm, a, I'm bad at sports because that requires hand-eye coordination and balance and all that shit. I'm bad at, you know, cooking, you know, because that's temperature and how to, you know, make something. Texting is one of the easiest fucking things to do in the world. I'm a bad texter. What type of shit? And then we just made that shit normal. Like, I hear that shit all the time. I'm a bad texter. What type of shit if I'm trying to do some business with somebody and they ignore me and they, you know, respond to me back and say I'm a bad texter. Guess what? I'm not I'm no longer interested in doing business. That's just a fact. That's a fact. Everyone got a live. Everyone got a schedule. Everyone got their own shit on their plate. But just to come up with some bullshit ass lie like that, just because you think I'm stupid, and I'm going to buy that. That's one of my pet peeves. Don't be stupid. Don't say stupid shit to me and think it's just going to fly. That's just a personal thing. So all you quote unquote bad texters out there, please don't please don't talk to me. Please don't talk to me. Bad texter. It's, it's, it's bullshit. This phone that we hold in our hand has so much fucking technology in it. Texting is one of the easiest things to do on it. There's motherfuckers out here trading stocks and shit on their cell phones. There's motherfuckers out here making billions of dollars from their cell phone. And you're saying that you're bad at texting. Please give me a fucking break. Give me a break. Please give me a break. <laughs> give me a break. <laughs> give me a fucking break. <laughs> That's bullshit. And the last question I have for the listeners says, uh, what would you like the title of your autobiography or biopic to be if you had the opportunity to write an autobiography or do a movie about your life? Wow. What would the title be? That Dang, that's kind of That's a good question. What would the title be of my autobiography or biopic about my life? Man, it would have to be something that deals with like the Bronx or something that deals with my name, like my last name. Or my first name, something that is personal to me, like something that has to deal with where I'm from, the neighborhood, or something that has to do with my name personally. 
So like, you know, my name is Denzel. So maybe I would title it, you know, the other Denzel or something like that, you know, because Denzel Washington is the Denzel that most people think about. So my book, you know, would be called The Other Denzel by Denzel Rogers, right? Or maybe like something that has to deal with the Bronx, maybe like, um, you know, like a Bronx tale or something like that, or or a beautiful day in the neighborhood, you know, that's a shout out to Mr. Rogers, who was used to be on TV back in the day. Something like that. It would have to be something that's super personal to me. Super personal to me. Maybe something that my grandma used to say all the time or a, 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 a phrase that really sticks in my head. Something like that. It just has to be something that's extremely personal um, to me and to my life. Um, you know, something that has to do with the Bronx Bias podcast or something. Call it like, you know, breaking biases or something. Something like that. It just has to be something that is extremely personal to me. Something that I really have a deep meaning for. Something that's extremely relatable to my life and my life experiences. That that would be the answer. So just like off the top. Something about the Bronx. Something about my family name. Something about my name personally. Something like that. That that would have to be the title. And of course, we already know who's going to be starring in my movie. Shout out to my guy, Lil Rel Howery, okay? Lil Rel Howery. He looked just like you. I look just like him because he's older than me. We already know who's going to be the star, so... We ain't got to worry about casting. I, I would have, this is what I would do. I would have, who would play me as a kid? Somebody play me as a kid. Maybe the little kid from Blackish. I don't know his name. The little kid from Blackish could play me as a boy. And then as a teenager, we could get, who's a, who's a good teenager actor? I don't really know many teenager actors, honestly. So we could just get the little boy from Blackish to play me as a kid. Then we could get Lil Rel Howery to play me as an adult. And of course, as a older gentleman, we could have the God Denzel Washington play me as an adult. So I'm putting it out there in the atmosphere. Hollywood, do what you got to do. Do your thing with that Hollywood, okay? Little kid from Blackish, Lil Rel Howery, and then Denzel Washington to play me at all three phases of my life. And that shit would be a fucking blockbuster, okay? Okay? And. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you guys so much for the questions. I truly, truly appreciate all the love and the support. I appreciate you guys listening every week. I appreciate you guys being active with me on social media and sending in questions and sending in comments and giving constructive criticism and all that shit because it's really important. And it's, I'm glad that people are listening. I'm glad that people give a fuck. And um, it's a blessing just to be in this position. So thank you, thank you guys so much again for the questions. I really, really appreciate it. Next on the docket, uh, I want to talk about following your dreams, following your heart, not letting anyone tell you what you can do, what you can't do, what is possible, and what is impossible. There was a very, very interesting story that I just thought was amazing, and I needed to bring it to the show, of the power of belief in yourself, let's call it. I'm going to read you this headline, and then we'll go from there. Italian artist sells invisible sculpture for more than $18,000. Salvatore Garo reminds us that there are no rules in the art world. The Italian artist has been making waves over the past few days with his boundary-pushing piece, titled Lo Sono, which translates to I Am. 
which recently sold for more than $18,000. Though that price is relatively low in the art world, it's pretty significant when you consider the work is an immaterial sculpture, meaning someone dropped thousands of dollars on an invisible piece that is made of literally nothing. According to Artnet, Lo Sono went up for sale last month at the Italian auction house Artright. The invisible sculpture was expected to rack in between $6,000 and $9,000, but the hype surrounding the item pushed the final selling price to $18,300. Garo spoke to the Italian outlet Dario AS about the piece, saying he likes to think of the sculpture as a quote-unquote vacuum. He goes on to say, the vacuum is nothing more than a space full of energy. And even when we empty it and there is nothing left, according to the Heisenberg uncertainty principle, that nothing has a weight, he explained. Therefore, it has energy that is condensed and transformed into particles that is into us. What? I don't even understand that. What? Let me read that shit again. Hold on. The vacuum is nothing more than a space full of energy. And even if we empty it and there is nothing left, according to the Heisenberg uncertainty principle, that nothing has a weight. Therefore, it has energy that is condensed and transformed into particles that is into us. That what? I don't even understand that shit. My guy must be on that good booger sugar. Let me continue. The buyer of Losono has not been identified, but reportedly will receive a certificate of authenticity as well as a set of instructions on how to display the work. Artnet reports that the owner is encouraged to d- exhibit the invisible work in a, quote, private house in a roughly five by five space free of obstruction. The concept of Losono is similar to gr- Garuna's previous piece, Buddha in Contemplation, another invisible sculpture that was displayed in the Piazza della Scalia in Milan. You do not see it, but it exists. It is made of air and spirit, he said in a video showcasing the piece. And it is a work that asks you to activate the power of your imagination, the power that anyone has, even those who do not believe that they have it. Now, when I say drugs, people, I'm not talking about the soft stuff. I'm talking about cocaine. That's right. Smack. Booger sugar. White girl. Got tons of names for it. This is complete and utter bullshit. <laughs> this is craziness. This is something that you wouldn't even believe it unless I read you an article where this shit was. This guy has sold a, a sculpture of nothing, nothing, for $18,300 and saying that to use your imagination to see it. Like, how, how is this possible? Like, first of all, only white people could get away with shit like this. That's number one. Only white people get away with shit like this. Selling a sculpture of nothing. For $18,000. If I came up here and I said, tune into the Bronx Bias Podcast episode 64, and you listen to an hour and a half of silence, 
And you said, what the fuck was that? And I said, you need to listen, use your imagination. You would say, Denzel, you must be on that good crack rock. You must be on that good crack rock. This is complete bullshit. This is, I think my rankings may have to change. I think that this has to take over for my guy, Takashi Miyagawa. Scammer for scammer of the year, man. It's only June, but... I think that this is going to have to take over for my guy, Takashi Miyagawa. Takashi Miyagawa, to remind you, was the man from Japan who scammed over 35 women into believing that he wanted a relationship with them so that they would buy him Christmas, uh, not Christmas gifts, birthday gifts for each month of the year. So he met these women. He made them believe that he loved them, that he was super into them. He told each one of them that he had a different birthday so that he would receive a birthday gift every month of the year. And I thought that that was the scam of the year. But it seems that we have had a new, we have a new uh, front runner, a new challenger. Uh, my guy, Salvatore Garo has entered the chat because to sell, it's not that it was sold. It's like, all right, if you sell it and you sell it for 10 bucks, you sell it for t- 20 bucks. Even that would be too much for air, which is free. You sold this shit. You had people bid on this shit. It was initially estimated to rack in $6,000 to $9,000. And it ended up being sold for over $18,000. I don't know. I don't understand art. Let me first be off to say that. I like art. I like going to museums and shit. I like seeing paintings and stuff like that. I love listening to music. I, I find art in a lot of things. Poetry. There's art in movie making, storytelling, books. There's art is all around us. So I sort of understand what he's trying to say. But the fact that you sold a sculpture that requires five feet by five feet of space. So you sold five feet by five feet of air for over 18 grand is unequivocally the scam of the year. Unequivocally the scam of the year. How, like if you went to the movie theaters and you wanted to go see a movie. Let's. What's a movie that's coming out um, soon? Let's see the, the the Fast and the Furious, right? There's a new Fast and the Furious movie coming out. And you go to the movie theater. And you sit and you buy your ticket. You buy your popcorn. You buy your drink. And you sit down in the seat. And the movie comes on. And it's just a black screen with nothing for an hour and a half to two hours. And then you leave the movie theater and you go and you go see the manager or you speak to whoever runs the movie theater and you say, what the hell? Where's the movie? And they say, oh, you have to use your imagination to see it. You would say, motherfucker, where's my money? Give it back to me. But we just letting this shit happen because this guy is an artist, because this guy can say like, it's so crazy to me. It's it's just so crazy how much bullshit goes on in this world, how many scams get run, and people just don't even think twice about it. Somebody with a whole bunch of money went to an art auction and paid $18,300 for nothing, for air. It's, it's it, I have nothing else to say but round of applause. <laughs> Round of applause for Salvatore Garo, the 2021 scammer of the year. And he's on that good, whoever purchased this is on that good cocaine, that good crack rock. I don't know. But shout out and love to the scammer of the year, 
Salvatore Garo for this heist that he has pulled off on this art collector who bought a five foot five sculpture of nothing. While we're on the topic of heists and robbing, let us talk about that Floyd Mayweather versus Logan Paul fight. I don't really have much concern about it. It was entertainment. I'm not one of these purists who think that the sport is being oversaturated or it's falling victim to stupid gimmicks and all that shit. It's entertainment at the end of the day. And I watched that shit and I was thoroughly entertained. There was a lot of people who were upset with it. Oh, this is bullshit. They hugged each other for eight rounds, blah, 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 whatever. I don't care. I thought that shit was hella entertaining. I thought it was well worth the price of admission. I really did. With On Showtime, they had a whole bunch of fights that night. They had um, uh, Chad. There was Chad Johnson against some guy. I can't remember his name. Maxwell something. That was an entertaining fight. They had two real boxers, uh, Hurd and Arias, who had a real deal boxing match. Like, it was a slugfest. Then they had the uh, Kalina and Badu Jack. And that was a one-sided fight. Kalina got his ass kicked. And lastly, Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul. And I was thoroughly entertained. I really was. I'm not going to be that guy to say, oh, what's happening to the sweet science? What's happening to the purity? Muhammad Ali is rolling over in his grave. The biggest thing of boxing and, and combat sports is selling. You have to sell the fight. You have to make it where people want to buy it. And regardless, if you guys think it was a farce, if you think it was bullshit, it was thoroughly entertaining. To me, at least. To me. And Floyd Mayweather, whatever you want to say about the brother, this is a brilliant brother. This is a brilliant brother. He knows that people will spend money on him just to see him lose, even though he knows he won't lose. And he will fight anybody. Floyd has fought. He went to Japan and fought like a a 15-year-old. And he, he fought Conor McGregor, and he's fighting Logan Paul. Shit, he might get in the ring next with a kangaroo if the money's right. Shit, and I and guarantee I will watch that shit. Shout out to Floyd Mayweather, man. I, I, <laughs> what can you say, man? What can you say? I love this shit. If you could pay me $50 million to go in the ring and just run around and get hugged, who wouldn't take that payday? Let's let's not kid ourselves. Of course, he's a boxer and we're used to boxing, but the check the check cleared. And like he said, your kids can't eat a legacy. You can't feed your kids with a legacy. So, man, I I'm I'm here for it. If I want to see more of these exhibition fights. They had shortly after Floyd and Logan, they had Lamar Odom and Aaron Carter, like. And before that, it was Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. Like, this shit was thoroughly entertaining. Thoroughly. And I will pay 50 bucks again if Floyd Mayweather goes up there and fights a real boxer. If he goes up there and fights a bear, fights a kangaroo, I will watch the shit. I'm going to watch it. Sorry, boxing purists. Sorry, Muhammad Ali. (laughs) Sorry, Vander Holyfield. (laughs) Because this shit was great. And I just want you guys to hear Floyd after he finished this fight. And I just want you to hear him like 
just explain this shit like and and the brilliance of his his choices in the ring and the brilliance of how he conducts his business because for all the people who think it's disrespectful to the sport for all the people who think that he's not the best for all the people who think that you know he's just you know destroying the the boxing purity listen to what my brother has to say about that whole thing this is floyd mayweather jr and they say well it's, it's not all about the money well your kids can't eat legacy the patches on my trunk that's 30 million alone so who's really the smartest one in the sport of boxing if you don't if you guys don't want to see me do no exhibitions don't come don't watch when it comes to legalized bank robbing i'm the best i don't care if y'all write good stories i don't care if y'all write bad stories at the end of the day, I will always have a last laugh. Damn, I'm writing this story about Floyd. But look at the house I go to. And look at the house he go to. Then all the guys that y'all said was extraordinary, the Canelos and the Pacquiao's, I made them look ordinary. And then when I see it's a chance for me to do a heist, a quick, <laughs> a quick heist, at the end of the day, I'm the smart one. He said, oh, Floyd don't look good like he used to look. My bank account looking better and better each and every day. That's fire as fuck, bro. I don't care what nobody says. That's fire. They say Floyd don't look as good as he used to. Well, shit, my bank account is looking better and better each and every day. Shout out to Floyd. Get that money. Fuck what you think, Mayweather. Shout out to Floyd. Get that money and fuck what you think, Mayweather. And last on the docket, I want to talk about Juneteenth. Um, today I'm recording on June the 19th, which is the official day of Juneteenth. Um, just a little bit about it. Um, Juneteenth is the oldest nationally celebrated commemoration of the ending of slavery in the United States. From its Galveston, Texas origin in 1865, the observance of June 19th as the African-American Emancipation Day has spread across the United States and beyond. Today, Juneteenth commemorates African-American freedom and emphasizes education and achievement. It is a day, a week, and in some areas, a month, marked with celebrations, guest speakers, picnics, and family gatherings. And it is a time for reflection and rejoicing. It is a time for assessment, self-improvement, and planning for the future. And its growing popularity signifies a level of maturity and dignity in America that is long overdue. In cities across the country, people of all races, nationalities, and religions are joining hands to truthfully acknowledge a period in our history that has shaped and continues to influence our society today. And when we are sensitized to the conditions and the experiences of others, only then can we make a significant and lasting improvement in our society for today and for beyond. So, you know, they not, there was a story that came out that Juneteenth would be officially recognized as a federal and national holiday in the United States. Um, and of course, you know, with any major legislation, there is 50-50 um, to take from it. Um, half of it is like, great, I'm glad that finally we're being honored in that way because slavery has many people try to ignore it, did happen. Slavery did happen. Black people from Africa, Africans, 
were taken from their native land, brought over to America by boats, by colonizers, and forced to work for hundreds upon hundreds of years with free labor that has made white people wealthy beyond measure and has given nothing to the black people who have suffered. There's been no reparations for slavery whatsoever. There probably will never be reparations for slavery whatsoever. And um, this is just a step. But beyond that, I feel like these are just like, and I don't want to be negative about it either. I don't want to be that guy. But I just feel like these are just symbolic gestures that will pacify certain people and really done so they don't have to address the real issues with racism and with the treatment of black people, non-white people in America. So yeah, yeah, let's give them the holiday. Let's give them MLK Day and let's give them Black History Month and let's give them Juneteenth now as a national holiday. But let's be honest about what's happening right now. States across the country are making it harder to vote. That's a fact. States are right now destroying voting rights on a large scale due to what happened with the 2020 election where too many black people got up and went to vote or where it was made very convenient for them to vote or they were not dissuaded from voting. So states are now making laws that if you try to give water to people who are standing on a line waiting to vote, you could be arrested and charged with a felony where they're making strict voter ID laws to try and make it more difficult for people, black people, to go and vote. There is no reparations. There's no talk of equality, making things more affordable for black people, making more opportunities available for black people to advance in society. But we'll give you this holiday. We'll give you the holiday. We'll give you the Black History Month, you know, it's, it's kind of just, you know, I don't want to be this guy like, oh, you know, uh, you know, I, oh, I hate everything. But it's like, if I'm being real, this is just a, really a distraction. You know, this is pissing on you and telling you that it's raining, in my opinion. And again, I'm very happy to celebrate the emancipation of, of, our sla- of slaves, of black people who were enslaved. But it's not like after slavery ended, things got so much better for us. Please, from sharecropping to redlining to segregation, Jim Crow, to this outright blatant racism that we face in all areas of our lives, to the inequalities in schools, in neighborhoods, in education, to the inequalities in pay, to the inequalities in opportunities. There's it's so much bigger shit than just recognizing a day. And I, I think that it's the smoke screen. It's, I swear, it's the smoke screen. Let's give you guys this day, this holiday to celebrate so that you can turn the blind eye to what the fuck is going on right in front of you. Like all the states that are making it harder for black people to vote. And we see the power in voting. You see the power in voting. It's very important to go and vote. And now the reaction to a whole bunch of black people going out to vote are these racist bills that are easily getting passed through Congress, through the state legislatures. But let's give them Juneteenth. And, and 
you know, I don't want to be that guy again. I don't want to be because this is a anytime we can make progress in any way, shape, form or fashion is something that should be celebrated. But it's like, don't piss on me and tell me that it's raining. Don't piss on me and tell me that it's raining. And then, you know, you're going to see all the whitewash shit. Oh, uh, shop Amazon.com's Juneteenth deals. Uh, free yourself from high prices at Old Navy. Like you're going to see all it's going to become extremely whitewashed. So it's going to be taking the purity away from it. Where a black holiday where black people celebrate freedom and independence is just going to be turned into a capitalist whitewashed holiday that's more palatable for middle America. And that's my opinion. So, you know, happy Juneteenth, of course. Uh, and for people who are, you know, my family, um, the origins of my family on my mother's side is from Alabama, Mississippi. You know, my my great great grandmother was a slave. So it's it's not I can't sit here and say like it doesn't mean anything. And I'm trying to spit in that in the face of it is just don't piss on me and tell me that it's raining. That's it. That's it. You know, don't make it seem like, oh, you guys are doing such a grand gesture. If the holiday's been celebrated since 1865, why the fuck did it take until 2021 to make it a federal national holiday? You tell me. Because now it seems appropriate. Because we want to make it very hard now for black people to vote. And we ain't trying to give nobody reparations. So let's just give them this holiday so they shut up. And that's my opinion on it. I don't. You know, I'm not really here to be politically correct on this issue because it's a black issue and it's something that is sort of in a way disrespectful because it's like if you really cared about black people, you wouldn't do all the things that get done to us. We wouldn't be policed the way that we are. We wouldn't be racially profiled the way that we are. We wouldn't be hunted down the way that we are. We wouldn't be unjustly put behind bars for small offenses like marijuana. Now marijuana is extremely legal and everybody's making billions upon billions of dollars from it, except the people who are in jail for it. So, you know, you always, it's kind of hard. You always got to take this shit with a grain of salt. You can never really just fully celebrate the shit. You always got to be like, okay, but what, what was the real bigger play? At least in my, in my point of view. But again, that Juneteenth is one of the biggest land shed moments in terms of black people in America. Without Juneteenth, I would not be able to be talking to you over the internet. You know, if slavery was never abolished, a podcast featuring a guy from the Bronx would never be possible. A black man would never be able to be the president. A black woman would never be able to be the vice president. We wouldn't have black people who are able to amass millions upon millions of dollars and affect the communities positively. So, you know, there is you know, work, you know, Malcolm X would never be able to be an activist. Muhammad Ali, Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, Harriet Tubman, etc. All our black leaders and all our black kings and queens would not be able to do the things that they have done without Juneteenth. It's just that, you know, you got to keep your third eye open, man. You got to keep your third eye open. And you always got to, you know, things are never really what they seem, you know, never, never. And we celebrate and we want to have a barbecue and we want to have a picnic and all that good shit. But pay attention to really what the fuck is going on out here. And it's more than just a holiday and having a hamburger and a hot dog on the grill. And that's all I got on it. That's all I got. Black people, I want you to celebrate this holiday today, Juneteenth. But I also want you to be more aware of what's going on in the world. And that's all I got. That's all I got. I want you guys to enjoy the holiday. Don't let white people make you uncomfortable for it. 
And but just pay the fuck attention and keep your third eye open. And that, guys, will wrap it up. Episode number 64 of the Bronx Buyers Podcast is in the books. I'm your host once again. My name is Denzel, a.k.a. Harry Potter, a.k.a. DeBron James. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you to everyone who likes, subscribes, shares, and supports. Thank you to everyone who is active and engaging on social media platforms. I truly, truly appreciate you guys' guys love and support. Please do not forget, I have official Bronx Bias Podcast merchandise available for purchase. You can visit the website, bronxbiaspod.myshopify.com. We got hoodies, t-shirts, tote bags, COVID masks, and stickers. Much, much more to come as well. I truly, sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, appreciate everybody who has gone out and supported the merch. I'm just a young black man trying to get some money in his pocket and stay out of trouble, trying to do it the right way. And I sincerely, sincerely appreciate every single person who has shown love to the merch, who has shown love to the show, who has listened to the show, who has given feedback on the show and sending a question for the show. Like, I sincerely appreciate all you guys' love and support. This shit would not be possible without y'all, and I really appreciate it. And um, it's, just, it's just a blessing. You know, it's just a real blessing to be able to do this shit. It's just a real blessing. And I'm never going to forget that. You know, I'm never going to put that out of my mind and act entitled. Like, because this shit is a real blessing. And I really appreciate it. Um, with all that being said, I hope you guys have a great week and a great, great weekend. Um, be safe out there if you guys are going to attend barbecues or if you guys just want to hang out. The city is reopened. Most places are reopening to full capacity. Just be safe out there. You should still use some of the COVID guidelines like social distancing. I don't really see anything wrong with that for going forward. Like if I don't need to be standing right up on somebody and I don't want somebody standing all up on me anyway. So I think social distancing is something that we should take with us for be to for the future. Um, but beyond all that, if you guys want to just hang out and have fun and do your thing. Just be safe um, and have a great week and a great weekend. I'm going to fade you guys out with a great, great, great song from the aforementioned DMX's latest album. Rest in peace again to my guy DMX. It is called Hood Blues by DMX featuring West Side Gun, Benny the Butcher, and Conway Mach- the Machine off of the album Exodus. And this has been the Bronx Bias Podcast, episode 64. Again, have a great week and a great weekend out there. And I'll speak to you guys next week. We are out.
pray five times a day and get on the waves, nigga. Baddest bitch you ever seen doing my braids, nigga. Detect echo like it got delays, nigga. This shit ain't shit, get out the way, nigga. New Yeezys only me, yeah, with them. Pay attention. Four on the baby, come back at least seven. Can't see to the wreck yard, I got the weapon. What you coming, nigga? Yo. You know how I rock six figures off Zaza Come and spin at my shop, I turn your hood to a hot spot Every game I feel like I'm Dane, without a stopwatch Shooting before the shot clock, Griselda got the top spot Locked down like a pawn shop, nigga, I'm thinking why not I gave my life to the game, but what do I got? Father, these niggas how? I don't even know my pops This flip phone that I got don't connect to the Wi-Fi uh-huh, this new foreign shit with the wood on the door Got me beefing with some niggas I coulda put on They make up lies and put them in songs I pull up the lies, topping down the block, hit me pulling the yard Yeah, praying with my dirty hands I did dirt and scam I'm asking God, do I deserve these bands? We from Murderland, Eastside shit, jeans purple brand Riding in the GLE, the turtle fan you throwing shots, you better be precise If I only squeeze it twice, that's me being polite We was in the trenches, nigga Four chicken wings and rice The shooter 14 can't read or write When he gon' squeeze his pipe We was trying to sell a key at night Cause now I said a G at night wasn't good enough And he was tight They mad I'm rich Same niggas that wouldn't see my plight The next plan, I'm riding to the game with KD tonight yeah. Machine bitch, A beat our body My nigga on his way home He just beat a body Every time I leave the house, I got the steam about it. My jacket, a one of none, you never seen it probably. I took some cheddar out the vault to pay the lawyer for my man. Weapon possession and felony assault. Living up at Unk House, he keep the resi off the fork. I'm Kyrie, hitting niggas with the hezzy on the court. Look, I reached the point niggas never would have thought. Cause every time I drop something, I don't never get support. FM Max shot severing your corpse. You never could extort me. My heart cold is February 4th. They hate to see me win. I'm not. Surprise, nigga, I'm fucking the bitches Them bum bitches, you fucks idolize I'm in Harlem at Lighthouse Eating lobster fries, being shooter with me I got mobs to tie, machine I grew up with the dark side Apartheid, go to Instagram And get you kidnapped and hogtied Ex, illish nigga Illish nigga, never been scared I'm a fearless nigga Got the cannon that'll remove your head and shoulders Got the plan to stand Get banned over I'ma make you hand over, hey, dang